Listener Production. How can a parent feel confident when it comes to the health and safety of their child? I think there are a lot of reasons that parents worry about their children's health. First and foremost, for me as a mum, is oh my goodness, I love my girls beyond belief. So definitely it's that sense of love and wanting to cherish and nurture your child. The next big thing I think is around responsibility. You know, as a mum, the buck often stops with us. Often we're the ones that kids will come to with funny bumps, rashes and complaints. And, you know, really they they do look to us. So I think those are the two big reasons why, you know, as as parents, as mums, we feel responsible for our children's health. Today on Feed, Play, Love, we kick off a 12-week series that will empower you in the health and safety of your children. Mother Doctor Nurse will cover everything from burns to common daycare illnesses, and you can ask your questions too. Feed, play, love with Siobhan Hunt. There's always something going on with kids. They don't sleep well. They seem to have a never-ending cold. They have accidents all the time. As a parent, it can feel like you need a medical degree and a constant supply of novelty band-aids. Some things you might be asking yourself as a parent are, how do we help them to sleep? Can we send them back to daycare with that snotty nose? What on earth do I do with that burn? Our latest series will take the pressure off. This is Mother Doctor Nurse, where we ask the actual experts, paediatric nurse Sarah Hunstead and paediatrician Dr. Deb Levy, your questions. In each episode, we will cover an important health topic from common childhood illnesses to challenges with sleep. And we're going to answer your questions on that topic in the episode. First up, we're talking about sunscreen and babies. Sarah, Deb, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We have so many great questions about this topic. So um, I'm going to get stuck into it. Um, We have a couple of questions first up from Maria. Her first question is, I give my baby a bath in the morning and then apply sunscreen on her in the afternoon. What's the best way to take the sunscreen off slash to clean her skin? Well, I think it depends what kind of sunscreen you're using. For example, the zinc-based barrier ones, those thick white ones are often quite tricky to get off. And usually for those, you might need something that's oil-based, even a little bit of coconut oil if you want to rub that on their skin after they've been out in the sun, um, and then use a face cloth to wipe it off, so a wet face cloth. That's also a good go-to if you don't have any coconut oil or you don't want to try oil on your child's skin. Um, Then I would go straight to a normal face cloth, get it nice and wet, and wipe it off carefully. What do you think, Sarah? Yeah, I think a a good place to start with that as well is I think a lot of people aren't aware that there actually are um, two different types of sunscreens, um, meaning that we've got reflecting sunscreens and what they do is that they actually block um, the light away from the skin. And then you've got the absorbing sunscreens and they're the chemical sunscreens that actually absorb that ultraviolet energy. And so um, often the reflecting ones, um, because they actually sit on top of the skin, they can be a little bit trickier to to get off when you're trying to remove them. But having an understanding that there are those two different types 
perhaps. And also, I think we're probably going to go into the type to actually use on your baby as well. So we'll get into that soon. Our second question from Maria is, if I'm going for a walk and the baby is in the pram and the pram cover is over the baby, so she's completely covered and you would assume in shade, do I still need to apply sunscreen on her? I'll throw that one to you, Sarah. I might get on my little soapbox a little bit this too about covering prams while we're at it. Even though we're talking about sunscreen, why wouldn't I use this opportunity to talk about something else too? <laughs> I mean, really. So when it comes to covering your pram, what's really, really important is that you have lots of air circulation because if we're covering our prams with like a towel or one of the, you know, muslin wraps, things like that, the temperature inside the pram can actually really get a lot higher than outside. We need that air circulating. So covering your pram with something that um, blocks the UV but still allows the air circulation is really, really important. So make sure that you're using the pram cover that actually belongs to your pram. Um, the majority of manufacturers out there have specific sun protection covers for the pram. So go ahead and use those. And certainly um, the Australian College of Dermatologists and the Cancer Council Australia Australia recommend that for young babies that you use um, a physical shading device um, as much as possible. So being able to protect them from the sun by using a shading device or, you know, using long sleeve clothing, things like that is really important. Sarah, can I ask, I mean, look, I should know by now my children are eight and 10, but I've often wondered um, during summer, I would put them in long sleeve shirts, but I might choose something like a muslin or something that's a little bit more breathable and porous because it's so hot in summer in Australia. But then I'm, lately I've been wondering, well, could they burn through that? Because when the sun's really hot, I wonder if there are some materials that just don't reflect the sunlight. Yeah, absolutely. Um, things with a really loose weave, absolutely, they can still get burnt through that. So it's weighing up that, yeah, you've got to keep your kid cool. Absolutely. You don't want to be dressing them in a lovely thick polyester, even though I do have a <laughs> child who, when she was quite small, she insisted on wearing a like one inch thick giraffe outfit on a 40 day. <laughs> But you know, like, hey, you do you, you're going to get dehydrated and you're probably, well, you're not going to get burnt. But anyway, sorry, I digress. Um, but yeah, she being, was it, she was dehydrated, but she wasn't burnt. Yeah, Lesson exactly. being, choose you, choose you. You just peel this thing off, or you could almost wring it out. You know, it was just soaking sweat, <laughs> but you know, that's my child. Um, so, but yes, you can get burnt through certain materials. So, um, a lot of uh, sun protection uh, clothing actually does have a rating on it that will tell you how much um, sun protection it gives you. So we need to be sensible. We need to be thinking about, is this going to keep my child cool? But if we're looking for something like a rashy when they're out and they're swimming, then looking for that sun protection on that fabric is really important. Rianne says, how do I balance sun protection and making sure they get enough vitamin D? I've protected my own skin in the past so much that I've had to take supplements for vitamin D. So just want to know how I can avoid this for my little one. I'm going to throw that one to Deb, I think. <laughs> it's actually a really tricky balance because as you may know, we do need sunlight in order to actually produce vitamin D in our bodies. It's the UVB rays that hit our skin. that has a chemical reaction and 
voila, we have vitamin D, which is so important for our children's immune system, for their bones, and for general health. So we need vitamin D, but we also need to protect our children's skin from the sun. Sunscreen itself does actually decrease the production of vitamin D, so we have to keep that in mind. But what we do know is that short periods of time in the sun is probably all we need in order to produce enough vitamin D. So the longer we are in the sun, it doesn't necessarily mean the the higher levels of vitamin D that we achieve. So what do I usually recommend? You know, stay out of the sun or protect your sun, you know your your skin from the sun between those hours of ten to four, so ten a.m. to four p.m. The rest of the time, you know, a little bit of sunshine directly onto the body is probably safe and a good thing. I find it so interesting that vitamin D impacts so many different areas of our kids' health. Like I used to think, oh, if you didn't get vitamin D, you might get a bit depressed, but it's it's there gut health, it's like you were saying, their bones, it just affects so many things, doesn't it? Absolutely. And there's so many children um, who have low levels. So we do have to be aware of it. That's something that you should chat to your healthcare provider about. Um, If you're concerned that your child could actually have low levels, they can always test for that with a blood test. Our next question comes from Amy. Can sunscreen on babies cause allergies? Look, Baby skin is sensitive. So anything that's applied topically, there is a risk that they can have an allergic reaction to it or a localized allergic reaction. So the tip I always give, and I'm sure Sarah will agree, is do a test patch. What does this mean? Take a small amount of the cream and put it usually, you know, on the inner part of their arm as a small test to see if they're going to react to it. You know, if you want to be extremely cautious, you can do that two times in a row with a period of time in between just to make sure that there's not going to be any reaction. But in terms of it directly causing allergy, it shouldn't directly cause an allergy. I have a mum tip here as well because you can end up spending the equivalent of the GDP of a small country on buying (laughs) different sunscreens. Let's be honest. (laughs) Yeah, they are so expensive, a lot of them. So when you get together with your, you know, your mum friends, your parent friends, test their different sunscreens. I guarantee you, your mates have got four different sunscreens in their nappy bags for sure. So ask, make sure you take a photo of it. Don't test all of them at once, one at a time. Take a photo, do the test, and then that'll save you buying that very expensive sunscreen and you'll see whether your child reacts to it or not. Jess has given us the platform we need to talk about what is the best sunscreen to get for babies. She's asking what sunscreen is recommended for babies over six months from a dermatological point of view to protect their precious skin. Does it have to be a physical sunscreen with zinc oxide or titanium dioxide as they're the more natural mineral ones? Or is it okay for their skin to use any brand of kids' sunscreen? So the Australian College of Dermatologists have a positioning statement on using sunscreen in babies under the age of six months. And what they say is that because, as Deb uh, said before, they absorb more of any chemical applied to the skin than us, you know, grown-ups do, that the widespread use of chemical sunscreens is not recommended. Now, 
we need to listen to some key words in there. First one is regular use and widespread use of chemical sunscreens. Because I think at the end of the day, when it comes to sunscreen protection, the best sunscreen to use is the one that you've got at that time. There are going to be times when you're caught out, when you don't have, you know, the, the, the best sunscreen for them. Okay, so use what you've got. But what we do want is not to do it regularly and ideally instead of using those chemical sunscreens being able to use those blockers or reflecting sunscreens is a much better alternative and i think deb is the perfect person to elaborate on that sure um i absolutely sarah i totally agree with what you're saying and and as you outlined earlier you know there are two main types of sunscreens barrier and chemical you know, chemical kind of speaks for itself. It's the ones with all those funny words and that you can't even pronounce half of the time that we actually know literature, science, research has proven gets absorbed into our systems. So as a holistic pediatrician and mum, I would prefer that not to happen to my child um, in terms of protecting them from potential risk of these chemicals. And although, again, if you look at the literature, they haven't been deemed unsafe they also haven't totally been deemed safe you know so it's a bit of a fine line there but if you don't have an alternative and it's a case of no sun protection or using a chemical sunscreen go ahead and use that sunscreen you know you use it for the period of time you need it and then you just wash it off and don't stress about it with the barrier sunscreens which are my first choice um and i would actually give it a, and i know the question was specifically about over six months but um, I would even give it to, you know, under six-month-old babies. Give us, use it, sorry. And um, those are sunscreens that typically contain either zinc oxide, titanium dioxide. So these do sound like chemicals, and yes, they are, but they're not as likely to get be absorbed into the skin. I'm using my words carefully because the newer sunscreens, the barrier ones, they're actually making those particles a little smaller, which means that they are then likely to be absorbed. So it's starting to get a bit murky again. But, um, you know, bottom line, my recommendations for all children of all ages is actually to use the barrier type of sunscreen, apply it 20 minutes before the sun, and then every two hours. Yeah, and if anyone can tell me of a sun cream, sunscreen, that doesn't go in your eyes when you swim. I want to know about it. Doesn't I've exist. Not tried one yet. Mm -mm. It doesn't. What doesn't is exist. That? It says water resistant, and you're still in there going, oh, "I can't see." <laughs> <laughs> Crying every time. Okay, well that's good to know. Jess also asks if I want to avoid applying multiple lots of sunscreen in one day. If we do a couple of pram walks, what long sleeve clothing is best for babies that is breathable and will provide some protection from the sun still? So we've already said that open sort of wider weave muslin type stuff is out because the sun can still get through. Um, what about just your light cotton onesies? Are they enough prote protection? When it comes to kind of the, the tips that I give families, I usually say, you know, if you can see through it, the sun can get through it. And also, you know, the brighter the colors, the darker the colors, the better the protection. You know, so those are kind of my, my tips. And so, yes, certainly some of those onesies are, are um, effective. 
and you know weighing up that we we don't want the scenario that Sarah you've had of overheating our children, especially our young babies, <laughs> maybe can't communicate as well. It, it is don't dress your baby in a giraffe suit. No, is, exactly. Advice, not especially not a polyester one. But like you said, no, they won't have any sunburn. Can we but, just yeah. be clear that it was her choice, not mine? Just to be really <laughs> clear on that, please. Sorry, we interrupted you, Deb, with frivolity, and you were being very measured and practical there. <laughs> you make me sound rather boring there, but anyway. <laughs> I, you know, I think that that's the general rule, you know, sunscreen as much as you can, cover up as much as you can, balancing it with what's actually doable, safe and um, sustainable for your child. So there for Jess, we're talking in summary, what Deb was saying is, yes, a cotton onesie, make sure like Sarah said, you can't see through it or that's what you're saying, Deb. So it's pretty practical um, advice. And I, yeah, I think just really being conscious that you're not rugging them up too much. Like you say, it's that it's that real balance between protecting them from the sun and you don't want little babies to overheat either, do you? No, that's right. It's what are you comfortable in? If you are going to be sweating bullets with what they're wearing, they will be too. So yeah, it's about, it's some common sense there as well. We can, often we can focus on just that one thing. We can be quite myopic and going, I can't get my baby burnt. I can't get my baby burnt. But we got to think of it as a whole, think of their comfort. So yeah, think about what you're wearing too. Simone asks, how do you treat mild baby sunburn and when do you need to get help outside of the home for that? First of all, when it comes to babies, we really do need to be quite cautious with sunburn. Um, one of the reasons is might be one that we don't often think about. And that is, is that when you're sunburned, um, Babies can become really quite dehydrated because the fluid in our body, it wants to move to where the burn is. And so that's not quite where we need it. And so if your baby is burnt, like if we're talking, they've got the tiniest little patch of slight redness, we're not going to worry about that too much, right? But, you know, certainly... Working in the emergency department, I've seen quite a few babies who have been sunburned. Not one of them was ever sunburned deliberately, but I think of this um, one little one in particular whose mum was sitting under a shade, under the shade, doing the right thing, but it was dappled sunlight. And what mum noticed first was a few hours later after they got home, because you might start to notice this quite a long time, you know, hours after they've had that sun exposure, is that she noticed red patches appearing on Bub's face. Bub was unsettled as well. And then she noticed some little bits of almost swelling and thought, okay, I don't know what this is. Let's go to the hospital. And Bub ended up being quite blistered on their face. And what we were concerned about the most was dehydration. So um, in little ones, if they do have sunburn, that's more than just that time little patch of you know just a slight redness then I do encourage you to seek medical help because what we need to do is we need to cool the area so what we can do is just use um, cool compressors that are changed frequently just you know that will help with some pain relief as well but we need to make sure that they've got enough fluid on board and that's really important so Deb what else would you like to add to that you are the expert when it comes to first aid Sarah so thank you for sharing your wisdom um, I'm actually a big fan of aloe vera gel. I don't, I don't know what you feel about that. And I like to keep some in the fridge. I mean, you know, if we're doing a whole lot of um, outdoor summery stuff, just in case. 
Um, you know, and then what are your thoughts about a tea bag bath, Sarah? I've never heard of a tea bag Haven't bath. Haven't you? I do love the aloe because it feels good when it goes on. It does. It does. It's so soothing. For little babies, you know, as I said, that tiny little red patch that's inconsequential, yeah, put that on for sure. But anything more than that, be seeking medical help. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean like sunburn itself can, can cause a proper burn. You can get blisters. You can get swelling. You can get it, – it can be very significant. You're absolutely right. But um, – Back to the very mild forms and the use of things like aloe vera gel and, and tea bags. Um, I've, I've read so much stuff about tea bags because I was intrigued. I was like, what, what is that all about? Um, and I believe it's the tannins in them or um, also the if it's green tea, it's, it's the theobromine or something. I mean, I'm sorry if I'm using the incorrect words, but there's certainly some ingredients that act as, uh, as an anti-inflammatory. So um, what I've read is literally just making like a big tea bag bath, um, you know, throwing a couple of tea bags and letting the bath cool down a bit, obviously. You don't want a hot, hot bath. That's going to make any kind of sunburn feel worse. All of us have experienced that. And um, then just letting the child have a bath as normal or even adding some bicarbonate of soda into the bath if they've got a little bit of itch with their sunburn. So, um, you know, these are all things more on the natural side that I always think are worth exploring. I think that's brilliant. You know, I've never heard of that and I'm very excited to read more about that now. That's really interesting, actually. But of course, one thing that, you know, if you go to Dr. Google and let's face it, please don't do Dr. Google. Okay, just don't. Um, but if you go to Dr. Google, what they do recommend, I read something this morning that said, if your sunburn is blistered, make sure that you put lots of coconut oil and honey on it. Now, Oh. oh, please don't do that, um, particularly because things like that are going to trap heat. The sunburn is going to keep burning for quite a while. It's not like something like another burn where you can cool it for 20 minutes and we're stopping that process. It's a radiation burn. It's going to keep getting worse for a while. So please don't put things on the top like that. You know, these home remedies like egg whites and things like that, toothpaste. I've heard of jam in the fridge. Can we please just stick away to, you know, don't go anywhere near that. Let's stick for the super mild burns to the aloe, to the tea bath, to the bicarb, that kind of stuff. And anything that is worse than a very minor burn, off to the doctor with the kids. Deb, can I ask a question for mothers that might be breastfeeding when their babies, are, let's say mildly sunburnt, because if they're worse than that, then they'll be taking them to the hospital. When we say they're dehydrated and they need to feed more, sometimes babies have got into a really regular feeding pattern and mum might feel like, the mother might feel like her supplies not there to help the baby deal with the dehydration. Will your breast milk respond to that need when it's such a last minute thing? Do you know what I mean? When it's such an immediate thing they need, will your breast milk breast milk supply respond to your baby's dehydration or at that point do you need to be thinking about supplementing what they've got with a formula look i think that every woman is different and how they respond to breastfeeding is going to be different that being said breastfeeding is meant to be very baby responsive so the more baby feeds the more you're meant to produce will that happen for every single woman obviously not so it is a case of being aware of signs to look for for hydration and 
keeping on top of things. So if you need to give something else, so what is that something else? If you've got some breast milk stored in the fridge freezer, wonderful, use that. If your baby already is being mixed fed, obviously you're going to use, and by mixed fed, sorry, I mean a combination of breast milk plus formula, then you're going to be using some formula. If your baby is over six months and already on solids, you may be able to add some water, some cooled water into the, the hydration. But this obviously all depends on how dehydrated your baby is and if there's anything else going on. So I don't want you know families to listen to this and take home the message that, oh, well, they can just have a whole lot of water it's because that's obviously not safe for children. But as a general um, you know, overview to answer that question, you know, there are a couple of options we have in place. Is formula one of them? Absolutely. Um, you know, it's not an ideal option if your baby's exclusively breastfed, but we need to keep your baby hydrated. And that's certainly the most important thing. So how do we tell whether your baby is dehydrated? What are the signs we should look for? Let's again, think that they've been out in the sun. We are thinking that they've been affected by the sun in some way. Maybe we can't see too much on their skin, but this might be happening, Sarah, as you mentioned, it might be something that gradually in increases. What are the signs we should be looking for that they're dehydrated? Deb? I'm going to answer this specifically for little babies, so children who can't express themselves. And to me, the first thing that always happens is that they get a bit cranky, you know, and they really are, that's their way of communicating that they are thirsty slash hungry and they're going to cry more um, not you're not going to be able to settle them as easily. Once that crankiness goes away and they start to get a little bit more lethargic, sleepy, that's when the, the dehydration is actually becoming more severe. So the first sign is going to be that cranky sign. The other thing is going to be their wet nappies. So you may notice that their wet nappies are lighter or that they're having them less frequently. Obviously, this is something you're going to notice over a few hours as opposed to in that moment in time. As children become more and more dehydrated, they start developing more signs. The signs are actually quite late, and I'm sure Sarah will agree with me with this. You know, things like the mouth it will be called the mucosa inside the mouth becomes dry. Perhaps um, they don't um, have tears, but then also young babies may not have tears, so that's not something that you can always look for. And um, one that I never look at and families will often ask me about is that fontanelle in the top of the head is not a good thing to look at when you're trying to assess a child's hydration. Even the most experienced clinician, um, it's just not accurate. Do you agree with me on that, Sarah? I feel like I'm kind of bucking the trend sometimes there, but I do not feel it's an accurate assessment. You just brought joy to my heart, Deb. Yeah. We've <laughs> always been on the same page, Sarah. Oh, yep. Liza asks, how do we know that the UV is safe enough to let our toddlers outside? Deb, I'll give that one to you. Thanks. Um, the general rule is a UV rating of three and below is safe. And by that, I mean you don't need to take any precautions to protect against the sun. In Australia, we seldom have a UV rating of less than three, especially in summer. So um, that can be a little bit tricky. And what I suggest is key, either get download an app or look online or you know, even on our iPhones, you can actually see what the UV rating is, but it's often not as accurate. So the app that I recommend for families is SunSmart. And um, the website I often suggest is called myuv.com.au. 
So there they'll give you an accurate UV rating of the day. What's an extreme one? Well, it's kind of subjective um, and anything to me above eight is, is very high or strong or extreme. You know, less than three, you're totally safe. That three to eight, you know, you're kind of in the middle, in my opinion. And remember too, temperature doesn't correlate to the UV rating. Yet you can have a, a cool, cloudy-ish day and the UV can still be high. So yeah, don't think it's not hot. I'm not going to get burnt. No, people still get burnt on overcast days. Yep. Great reminder. Thanks, Sarah. Liza follows on this question by asking if you have any tips and tricks for applying sunscreen on a toddler and how much should you use? Sarah? Well, it's kind of like trying to put an octopus in a string bag, really. (laughs) Um, Sit on them. Um, No, no, seriously, seriously. Um, You'd be surprised how much sunscreen you actually need. So the recommendations are that you, for a grown-up, that you apply at least one teaspoon, so that's five mils, so one teaspoon of sunscreen product to each body part. So that's each limb, um, back front, face. So really, you're using a lot of it. To be honest, Australians don't use enough sunscreen. The other thing is too, it can be really, really tempting to go, oh, it's impossible to get sunscreen on my kid. Why don't I just go for one of the spray ones? Because, you know, they can be at a distance. I'll just spray them, you know, it'll be fine. <laughs> it's like not- a cockroach. Yeah, a cockroach. yeah, it's like chasing flies and cockroaches around the house. You, you know, <laughs> surely some will stick. Um, <laughs> it's not ideal. Uh, first of all, it's highly unlikely that you're going to get enough on. Certainly, you then still need to rub it in. If you're outside, how much of it's going to get blown away? How much are they going to end up inhaling? I really recommend steering away from the spray sunscreens. Go for something that you can actually really be sure of how you're applying it. Deb, Sarah, that was amazing. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you. Dr. Deb Levy and Sarah Hunstead will be back next week tackling common childhood illnesses. I'm sure you've got stacks of questions about this Things like, is it okay to send my kid back to daycare? How can I tell it's okay to send them back? What to do if they've spent the night coughing? If you have a question, please send it through to feedplaylove at sca.com.au. See you soon. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Feed Play Love, a listener original podcast. If there's something you'd like to learn more about, email me at feedplaylove at sca.com.au. I'd love to hear from you. For more great kids and parenting podcasts, check out the Listener app and don't forget to follow us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.